So have you had a dream that you woke up the next morning and thought, what on earth was that? Right? You, 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 you woke up and you're like, where did that even come to? How did my, uh, my mind even think about that? Like, what, what is my mind thinking? And I've had a couple of those this week. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, it's been like waking up like, ha- I haven't seen that person for years. So I haven't even thought about them. And suddenly I woke up and they were in my dream. Uh, or this person, this person was connected and they've never met and they would never even met. And, and you're thinking, how on earth? Dreams are kind of weird and a little obscure. But whenever I have one of those dreams, it reminds me that there is an inner me that I don't always understand. There is an inner person within me that I think I know, but I actually don't always know. And it kind of worries me because I'm like, okay, if I can dream that, that is totally obscure, then what am I capable of? Have you ever made that statement in life? I just wasn't myself today. Right? I'm sure you've probably all said that. I wasn't myself today. Truth was, you were yourself. It's just you didn't like the self that manifested itself that day. You didn't like what actually went on to today. It was a little obscure to you, but it was still yourself. See, the human mind is a complex and a strange unknown. Our brain is so complex that we will never understand it at all. i got a quick video I want to show you. It's like a, a, a minute long, that's all. And it was from a study that uh, some scientists did I- I- at MIT uh, about the brain and how it works. And so why don't you look at this quick video and, uh, uh, and, and see what they have to say. The brain is one of the more complex organs in the human body. Think of it as the central processing unit for human function. Information comes in, it is processed, and then a proper response or output is released. But what if the brain has trouble processing? For example, if a person is depressed, they often do not feel happy even when experiencing something they normally enjoy. Researchers suggest this could be a result of the brain's inability to correctly assign emotional associations to events. In a new study from MIT, researchers reveal how two populations of neurons in the brain contribute to the process of assigning emotional associations by forming two parallel channels that carry information about pleasant or unpleasant events. Using mice, the researchers first tagged each population of neurons with a light-sensitive protein so they can be distinguished. And then they trained the mice to discriminate between two different sounds, one associated with a reward of sugar water and the other associated with the bitter taste of quinine. By analyzing the recorded neurons, researchers found not all of the neurons reacted the same and saw patterns in different populations defined by their projection pathway. One group of neurons was overall more excited by the reward, while the other was overall more excited about the unpleasant taste. Diving deeper into the details of even more specific cell populations is the next step to fully understand how the brain processes emotions. The researchers hope their work will shed light on mental illnesses and lead to new therapies that specifically target circuits involved in this kind of processing. So they did this study between things that tasted good and things that didn't taste good. And you would think that the mice, and poor, I'm glad I'm a human being, not a mice, mouse, but 
You could imagine, but, but the mouse, they, some of them decided they wanted the good stuff. Some decided they wanted the foul tasting stuff. And some of us, we're like that in life. Some of us, we see the good side of life. Sometimes we see the bad side of life. Some of us, we enjoy the positive. Some of us, we enjoy the negative. And the thing is, all of us are completely different. And our mind and our brain is so complex that even scientists struggle to figure out what we are thinking. Last week, we talked about us being God's masterpiece that he is perfecting. God's masterpiece that he is perfecting. It's almost like God is a computer programmer and he's programming us and, he, and, and he's molding us and everyone is completely different and none of us will really ever understand who we really are because we are so complex. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, he says, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You know that I'm going, what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. And sometimes I think, God, why don't you stop me from saying it if you know I'm going to say it? And he says this in verse five, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Then we fast forward to verses 13 and 14. And the psalmist said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. So if you are a married couple and your spouse turns to you and says, I just don't understand you, you can say, isn't that wonderful that God made me so wonderfully complex? Right? The psalmist is saying, God knows everything about me. I'm so complex. I don't know everything about me, but God knows everything about me. There is a comfort and, and, and an unsettling about this verse. For it's reminding us that God knows us better than what we know ourselves. And that's a tough thing to, to understand and to realize that God knows us better than we know ourselves. We are so It was the Apostle Paul who says, sometimes I do things I don't want to do, and then other times I don't do things I want to do. So complex. And this is one of the side effects of being a human being, unfortunately. Now, knowing that, that God knows everything about us, the the prophet Jeremiah said this, In Jeremiah 17, verses 9 to 10, he says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So Jeremiah, he was telling us, he says that God, he not just knows knows anything about you, Now, God is searching your heart and he's examining your motives to see if they are good. And he's then rewarding you for the the actions that that you do. Now, if Jeremiah is correct and God is searching our hearts and God is testing us, 
then my question is, how can we mold our hearts? How can we mold this in us so that when God searches us, God likes what he sees? Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's masterpiece formed to do the purposes of God. Formed to do the purposes of God. Then James 1 tells us that God is perfecting us. Basically, this is what God is doing. God is working in us to become formed in the image of Christ. God is working within us so that we are formed to look a lot more like Jesus than even look like ourselves. So when God is searching our hearts, what God is searching for, he's searching for what isn't right, what is broken. What do I need to change? What do I need to to mold? What do I need to perfect so it's more like Christ? It's almost like a computer programmer, and I don't understand computer programmers. They're way too smart for me. But this is what I know. When something's broken, they will go in and they will search for what is broken, and then they will fix what is broken. And that is what God is doing within us. God is often searching our hearts and our minds and our motives to see what is broken so we can fix what is broken so that we become more like Jesus. So today, this is what I want to do in just a short moments that we have. I want us to discover how we can develop this complex inner self so that it becomes more beautiful and more glorious to God and that, that it becomes more formed in the image of Christ. Now, It is no secret, I don't think, that a beautiful heart and a pure mind begins with gratitude. We've been going through this series, Kudos, uh, and, and we've been talking about thanksgiving and gratitude. And I do not believe that it's a secret that a beautiful heart and a pure mind starts with gratitude. So this is what I know. When you are grateful, it changes you from the inside out. When you are grateful, it changes you from the inside, your inner self, and then it manifests itself out. And next week, we'll talk about what happens when it manifests itself out. When you start to see what you have and what you have been given, instead of what you don't have and what you haven't been given, you see life differently. You approach problems with new perspective. You communicate with people with more kindness and more compassion. You find that you have more patience and have so much more joy in life. Grateful people are much more aware of what God is doing in their lives than ungrateful people. And we'll see in a moment why that's the case. See, when the testing of God happens, when God starts to search our hearts... He is looking for a heart that is thankful and a mind that is grateful. See, God desires his people, his children, those who follow him to be people of thanksgiving. Even when it comes to approaching the presence of God, the Bible tells us that we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. See, God expects when you come to God that you have a grateful heart, that you are a person of thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which has been the base verse for this whole series, says, Be thankful in all circumstances, 
For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. In all circumstances, be thankful. Take on a heart of gratitude no matter what life throws at you. See, if you are not thankful to God, if you do not have a thankful heart, then this is what it tells me. You need Jesus. If you have an ungrateful heart, it tells me you need Jesus, and this is why. Because it tells me your heart is broken. There's something in there that God needs to fix. And what Jesus does when Jesus comes, he comes in men's broken hearts. Jesus, with, with, with his ultimate healing power and ultimate salvation power, will come and heal that heart. So that ungrateful heart starts to become grateful again. Now, if God is looking for hearts and minds that are grateful, then how do we start? How do we make ourselves grateful? How, how can we change our attitude or change our heart and our mind to become grateful in all circumstances like Thessalonians tells us? Well, the best place to start is by giving thanks to God. Let's start with God. Before you look at anything else in life, let's start with God. When we give thanks to the one who made us and the one who is perfecting us, we start to mold this complex inner self of ours into something that becomes more like Jesus. So what I want to do this morning, I want to read a psalm to you, Psalm 30. And I'm going to read it in two different versions, just very quickly. It's a short psalm. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation, which is the translation that, that I use, I, I, I use myself and uh, that we speak from on a Sunday. And then after that, I'm going to read it in the message version, which is a paraphrased version, but it's very descriptive. And so it, I think it's going to help by reading both versions to see what the psalmist is saying. But this is what Psalm 30 says. It's a psalm of David. And he says, I will exalt the Lord, you Lord, for you rescued me. You refuse to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You have kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. When I was prosperous, I says, nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me and I was shattered. I cried out to you, O Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, what will you gain? What, uh, what will you gain if I die? If I sink into the grave, can my dust praise you? Can, uh, can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. So here in this psalm, here is a guy, David, who is full of thanksgiving for God. And his heart is changed to a heart of gratitude. And we see the results of what happens to a person who is full of gratitude. Now, let's read this in the message version because it's pretty unique, some of the words that, that the writer of the message version gave. He said this, I give you all the credit, God. 
You got me out of that mess. You didn't let my foes gloat. God, my God, I yelled for help and you put me together. God, you pulled me out of the grave, gave me another chance at life when I was down and out. All you saints, sing your hearts out to God. Thank him to his face. He gets angry once in a while, but across a lifetime, there is only love. The nights of crying, your eyes out give way to days of laughter. When things are going great, I crowed, I've got it made. I'm God's favorite. He made me king of the mountain. Then you looked the other way and I fell to pieces. I called out to you, God. I lay my case before you. Can you sell me for a profit when I'm dead? Auction me off at a cemetery yard sale. When I'm dust to dust, my songs and stories won't sell. You listen and be kind. Help me out of this. And then this is what happens to a heart of gratitude. He said, you did it. You change wild lament into whirling dance. You ripped off my black mourning band and decked me with wild flowers. I'm about to burst into song. I can't keep quiet about you. God, my God, I can't thank you enough. Here is a man who wrote these words, who has decided that no matter what happens in life, His first thought is always, let me give thanks to God. And he reveals what happens in his life once he has programmed his mind, his inner self, give thanks to God. So very quickly, I want to show you three things that happen to this guy's life when he becomes a man of gratitude. And the first thing is this, he danced like it was 1999. He danced like it was 1999. I believe everyone has a dance within them. Everybody is a dancer. Some of you show it. Some of you don't show it. But everybody is a dancer. I got some pictures for you. Maybe you're like an office kind of dance, like Michael from The Office, and you have that kind of dance with you. Or maybe you're a little bit more eccentric, and you are a Napoleon Dynamite kind of dance. You know, remember Napoleon Dynamite? That dance, I've got pictures for this, but maybe you are really good at dancing and you're more like Bruno Mars. Or if you're like me, you're like, like uh, uh, Carlton from Fresh Prince of Ballet, you know? <laughs> but everybody has a dance. Everybody has a dance. Notice the psalmist said here, I have turned my mourning into dancing. Or as the message puts it, wild lament into whirling dance. Basically, there is a physical change in our outer posture that begins with a change with our inner posture. In ancient Israel, when someone mourned or was in lament, they would often walk head down, not looking up. Sometimes they would lie just straight on the floor and wail in their laments, in their mourning, in their tears. That was the posture if you were going through a moment of mourning or lament in your life. But notice the psalmist, he says, you've turned my moment of lying on the floor, my head down, you've turned it into dancing. 
Now, in ancient Israel, when did they dance? They danced when they had victory. When they came home from war, they danced. There was dancing when there was joy. And this is what happens with gratitude. Gratitude will change your posture from looking down to looking up. Gratitude will cause you not to will cause you to delight and not despair. It will make you feel alive with, plat- with passion, not glum and down. That's what gratitude does. So it makes you dance like it's 1999, like Prince said. The second thing that we see here, he smiled and smelt the roses. He smiled and smelt the roses. Now, he says that you have taken my clothes, my mourning clothes. Now, in ancient Israel, if someone was mourning, they would wear sackcloth. They would basically put a potato sack on them. And they'd get some ashes, and they would sprinkle ashes over them. So everybody would know they were in mourning. Because it was, it was not just an inner feeling, but it was an outer expression as well. Uh, we've got a picture of, of King Hezekiah, who was in sackcloth and mourning when he found out he was going to die. And God told him he was going to die. And here he is in his sackcloth, not his kingly robes. So everybody knows that you are down and that you're going through a season of mourning. And while we don't wear sackcloth in our culture today, physically, I think as a culture, we are very good at hiding the sackcloth within. See, in that time where people were mourning, everybody knew they were mourning. But now we suppress our feelings and we suppress them. And when we go around and we tell everyone, yeah, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm fine. But really within, there is despair within. But when we become grateful and we start having an attitude of gratitude, then this is what happens. That inner sackcloth falls off. And we do a wardrobe change as quick as a model on a runway, right? And this is what happens. We change from sackcloth into, I think we change into pool gear. That's what we do. We're like, let's strip off the sackcloth. There's a swimming pool. Let me cannonball as good as I can cannonball. And let me tell you, Sam Hanna can cannonball like nobody can cannonball. That's what happens when you have an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude will always clothe your inner self with a smile. And then finally, for the psalmist, he danced like it was 1999. He smiled and smelt the roses. And then finally, his grimace became a whistle. His grimace became a whistle. I can always tell when my wife is upset, mainly with me. Because she stops talking. When Raquel stops talking, watch out. She's upset. It's just good inside information there. When she gets silent, I know she's upset. I know there's something going on. I know that she's not herself, her normal self. Because silence tells us a lot about someone. If someone is silent, it could mean that they're in a peaceful moment. Or it could mean that they are hurt. And they're concealing something and they're, and, they're, and, they're, and, they're, and they're withholding themselves or they're withdrawing from others. It could show that someone has given up. I don't think there's any scientific survey here, but I, I think that someone who is grateful 
is probably twice as likely not to quit when times get hard than someone who is ungrateful. Because there is a resilience that comes when we start to be grateful. Now, if we were emojis, right, on your phone, if you're texting and you're putting your emojis, this is what happens to ungrateful people. We've got a picture of an emoji, right? And that's what a lot of people are like. They're going around life and they're sad and they're miserable. And maybe in their silence, they have a grimace on their face like they're Mr. Bean or something. But then, once you start to get gratitude, then it changes to this. Let's take a look at the next one. Happy face, right? Happy face. Because that's what happens when we take on a moment of gratitude. Our grimace becomes a whistle. Have you ever seen someone who's just around whistling? And they're they're walking around to themselves and they're just whistling. There is a joy about them when they are whistling. When you hear someone whistling, they are in a good mood. The other day I was uh, at the supermarket and uh, the supermarket that we go to, they have like fruit for kids. And my son now knows he can just go and go and get the fruit for free. And so we're walking out the other day and he grabs a banana and uh, I was like, you want a banana? He calls them nanas. And he was like, yeah, I want a nana. So we were in the car. And, uh, and, and, he, and he hasn't opened it. He wants to save it when he gets home. And he's looking at it. And he's having a good day. And suddenly, he's looking at it. And suddenly, he starts saying, na, 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 na. I mean, and then we were like singing at the top of our voices. Right? There was this joy that came in this moment. And the psalmist was a singer, not like me. Gratitude brought out a song in him. There is something refreshing about singing. And that is what happens when you have gratitude. You sing, you whistle, you find funny things in life. When we are thankful to God, we are changed from the inside out. And it starts with giving thanksgiving to God. And you'll find it will start to overflow into all areas of your life. Watch then as your inner self starts to change. You no longer get surprised by the days when you were like, whoa, I wasn't feeling myself today. You start to understand yourself a little bit more. You change your inner self to become more joyful. You become more pleasant to be around others. Your gratitude lifts the mood of others. And mostly and more importantly, you will find that you are starting to be formed and become like the image of Christ. You'll find you're not like those mice who went after the bad tasting stuff in life because that's what satisfied them. You start to search for the good things in life. And God says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And you start to find out that giving thanks to God, you start tasting of the goodness of God. So this is what I want us to do this morning before we finish. On the the person, whoever is sitting in the aisle row on either side, and I don't think the front row has got them, so you can get them from the others. There are a bunch of thank you cards on them. This is what I want us to do. 
I want everybody, if we have enough, to take three of those thank you cards each. And then there's some envelopes as well. And so if you don't have one, you can move or someone can give you some of those. And what I want us to do this week, I don't want us to do it this morning. As Thanksgiving is coming up this week. And I don't know about you, but I love Thanksgiving. Love Thanksgiving. It's because I don't cook the Thanksgiving dinner. That's right. But I love Thanksgiving. And this is why I love Thanksgiving. Because it makes us stop and start to understand what we are grateful for, what we have, not what we don't have. And so as an act of trying to train our inner self to become grateful and full of gratitude. The reason there's three cards, because I want you this week to write three thank you letters. Three thank you notes. Don't text them, don't email them. Handwritten write them. It means so much more. And there's three people that I want you to write a thank you note to. And the reason we're not going to do it this morning, because you may have to think about these. But these are the three people, and we'll put them on the screen. I want you to write a note of thanksgiving to someone who you do not like or you do not agree with. It could be President Trump or it could be Nancy Pelosi, whatever. Thanks to someone you do not like or you do not agree with. Because those people rarely get our thanks. The second thing I want you to write, the second note, the person, I want you to say thanks to someone that you've taken, grant, you've taken for granted. Thank you to someone that you've taken for granted. And I hope your spouses aren't nudging you right now, you know? <laughs> and then the last one's the easiest. And the last one is write a note of thanks to someone who has helped you when you couldn't help yourself. Helped you when you couldn't help yourself. Here we're going through a varying degree of people, of ways to be thankful. Thankful for someone even when I'm struggling to find why I should be grateful for that person. Thankful for someone who I should have been thankful for but I just totally missed it in the mundane things of life. And then thankful for someone who I know I owe a lot of my life to. So this is what I want you to do this week. You've got envelopes, and if there's any, any leftover or whatever, then, and someone's missing, then we can figure it out at the end. You can come and put them at uh, the front, or you can find ones and pick them up. But this week, before you start your Black Friday shopping, you know, and the Christmas season comes upon us, take a moment this week to write three thank you notes and watch what it will do. Maybe you will start singing, na 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 na. <laughs> Maybe you'll start dancing like it's 1999. I don't know. Or maybe you might just see some roses and you'll be like, you know what, let me stop for a moment. And let me smell those roses. I want you to bow your heads in prayer as we close today. And as we close, I want to read one more scripture to you. It's found in Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Let this soak within you this morning. 
Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So Father God, this morning, we just want to thank you, firstly for Jesus. We want to thank you that you gave your one and only Son in an act of love for us, where we could not help ourselves. You came down and helped us and rescued us. We give thanks to you, God, for your mercies and your grace. Anew every morning, your faithfulness is so great. Your love stretches beyond the shores. And we thank you, God, for all that you've done for us. When we were in the mire, in the clay, when we were in the pit, Lord, you rescued us. When we were going through shadows of valleys of deaths, you were right there beside us. When we were on the top of the mountain, full of joy, you were there dancing and singing with us. We thank you that you are there beside us. You do not leave us. You do not forsake us. You order our steps. God, we thank you for all that you've done for us. And this morning, Father, we pray that our inner self, at times that we do not even understand, Lord, that you will help to mold us, to become grateful, take on a heart of thanksgiving, a mind of gratitude, that when you search our hearts, as Jeremiah put it, you will find that we are becoming more formed in the image of Christ. So God, today we pray that we will become grateful. Help us to find the gratitude in all different things in life, God. Help us to change our mourning into dancing. God, help us to change our clothes of sackcloth and despair, God, into clothes of song and rejoicing. Help us to sing and shout it from the rooftops of what you've done for us. Help us, God, to be thankful in all circumstances. We ask in the mighty, holy name of Jesus, we pray.